0: around the time I was 30 or so I suddenly realized that I needed to take responsibility for shaping my life in some way perhaps you realize this in school or at college or in your 20s and if you have I admire you and I'm slightly envious because I feel like I wasted the whole of my decade of my 20s in unproductive nonsense to be honest for me I guess I, work, I woke up one day when I was 30 And I realized that I'd built very little of what I wanted to truly build with my life. I'd achieved some necessary things, uh, like buying my first house and holding down a job. And these are great things to achieve, and I don't minimize them at all. But I I had this nagging feeling that there was more to life than what I was experiencing at that time. A friend of mine invited me on a self-development course when I was 30 years old called Outlook. Now, it's not the Outlook from Microsoft that manages your email for you. This was a course called Outlook, which was about giving you a different perspective uh, on your life and in your situation. The vision for the Outlook course was a big vision, to be fair. Um, it was creating a world that works for everyone with no one left out, which is a big vision. Now, there was teaching and exercises to do and personal barriers to overcome, and it was fun. I really enjoyed myself on it, and I learned a lot. Uh, and then I did the next one in the series, and then I did the final one after that. They had a series of three, uh, and I did all three of those. And the final course included pumping up enough self-belief and self-confidence that you could take on a fire walk, Uh, and that is is walking across 30 feet of burning hot coals in your bare feet. And I achieved this. I managed to do that. Uh, It's pretty unbelievable, but I did. Now, once I'd completed these three self-development courses, there seemed to be nothing I couldn't go out there and achieve. But I still had this nagging thought. What if all these techniques and mindsets have actually just come from me? Are they just from my own design or effort? Or are they just from the people around me on the course? What if there is something even more, Uh, something else? And I started to also get a nagging feeling that my version of building my world was not enough to satisfy me and that that was also Downright dangerous, in fact. Like, who was to say that what I wanted to build was ethical enough or good enough, not just for me, but for others? And why, after achieving the training company's ultimate goal, which was this firewalk, did I still feel empty on the inside? So there was a Christian in my workplace at that time. I wasn't a Christian. And he said something to me one day at the coffee machine uh, that really jolted me. He said, self-development courses are all about self, Nick. They come from self and they end in self. And although I was quite taken aback by his frankness, I found that I could not argue back. He was right. Now, I also met Chloe that year and she came on the first two of these courses to see what they were like, which I thought was kind. And then she invited me on the Alpha course. For for, for those of you who don't know what the Alpha course is, that's a 10-week course exploring what Christianity is all about. And so I couldn't really say no, could I? Because she'd come on my courses. And so actually it was a bit more than kind from Chloe. It was tactically very smart. Chloe was prepared to come and join me in my self-pumped up world for a little bit in order that there was a bridge for her to give me an invitation to come and investigate her world. And that was a world, it turned out, in which people seemed to be very aware of the dangers of self and where people battled really hard to lay self down. And it was an invitation to follow this person called Jesus, a person who had modelled what it looked to lay down self to a very extreme level. It seemed to me anyway. And so I was really, really curious. And gradually, I became my, uh, became aware that I needed something. Or m- more correctly, I needed s- someone beyond self, beyond me. I slowly became aware that what I was actually suffering from or the condition I actually had was a very serious condition and it was a condition called spiritual lack I took a long hard honest look at myself during the years of my 20s I looked back and and reviewed and I really had wasted them and I I realized that with me in charge of coming up with all the thoughts and designs and plans for my life it really hadn't been a spectacular success if we're honest. In fact, there were some profound issues. I can name any number of spectacular personal fails from those years, but probably the standout one was a huge mountain of personal debt, totalling more than £22,000. So one day shortly after that alpha course that Chloe invited me on, I decided to take a punt on Jesus. I accepted Jesus into my life as the Lord and captain and leader of me. Now pretty much immediately that nagging feeling of emptiness went away. Uh, And it was nothing to do with self-development or me or my own efforts to create a world in which no one was left out. And I began to realize that the only person really truly qualified to build a world like that was someone with a perfect track record of doing just that. And that was the person of Jesus. Jesus was now behind the steering wheel of the car of me. And I now got to be his passenger for the ride. Uh, And that's a role which, if I'm really honest, I hugely prefer. Now, I would be lying uh, if I said that I never tried to grab the wheel off him because there have been many times when I have. And he always just seems to smile to me in the spirit. And he says, no, 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 you go ahead. You were great at this before. And then so I try and get back into the passenger seat and leave him to it. So maybe those years weren't fully wasted after all because anytime I have a wobble about my faith, I just check the track record from my 20s And remind myself, no buddy, you need Jesus big time. And I could not be happier or more blessed by my decision to follow him. And so today we are talking about an amazing claim that Jesus makes that those who come to an awareness of their spiritual lack are actually really blessed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, This has really been my own personal experience in turning to the Lord Jesus And I'm sure the same is true of so many of us uh, watching online today. If you are someone who is not sure that you are really lacking in the spiritual department or equally you are not sure that it's Jesus who is the answer to the lack we are talking about. I just really try and encourage you to keep listening to my message and to find out some more about what Jesus has to teach us uh, as we go through uh, what we're looking at today. So please turn with me in your Bibles and on your devices to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we launched this brand new series for September and October today and it's called Beatitudes Attitudes. Now Jesus brings some incredible teaching in chapters 5, 6 and 7 of Matthew's gospel and taken together they form uh, something known as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this sermon along with Jesus's parables forms really kind of the core of uh, of his teaching and his teaching ministry and I think it's a fair statement to say that there's been no other teaching uh, to parallel it really in the history of the world, either before the Sermon on the Mount or after. Uh, Nothing really kind of comes close enough in terms of the quality, the insight, the godliness and the strength that it gives us for human life and conduct. I do like to think that perhaps as Jesus created the world, uh, he took particular care in fashioning the mountainside that he was going to teach from to have good visibility and great acoustics because... You know, there were no mics and live streams back then. And I also like to think that as he climbed up to take this sort of natural pulpit that he'd made, many of his Jewish audience would have spotted the parallels between Jesus and one of their great leaders and teachers from the Old Testament, Moses. Uh, Way back in the Old Testament, Moses went up the mountains and he came down with the Ten Commandments, the teaching of the time. And in fact, you can read what God taught the people about how to live from exodus 20 if you want to have a look at that and all 10 commandments that form the core of god's law are still as equally applicable today as they were when they were given to moses and so as jesus opens this mega message from the mountainside we do find ourselves immensely compelled to see how he starts it off so what are these attitudes that over time and history have come to be known as beatitudes What even is a beatitude anyway? Well, the Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary defines beatitude first as a state of bliss, of extreme blessing. And then the second definition it gives is it says that a beatitude is any one of the declarations given in Matthew 5, beginning with the words, blessed are. And so Jesus opens his Sermon on the Mount message with eight statements, beginning with the words, blessed are. And so Beatitudes can be a state of bliss or any of the eight sentences that Jesus says. And in fact, they mean both. And we're going to unpack those over the next few weeks. So let's read this together from Matthew 5, verse 1 onwards. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, Uh, in verse 11, but really it kind of restates the same idea in verse 10 again. And so our new series is going to focus on each of the eight statements that we find between verses 3 and verse 10 of Matthew 5. And so we're going to look at what each of the Beatitude attitudes mean, in turn, both today and in the coming weeks. And we're going to discover the heart of Jesus for you in sharing these incredible truths with us. So let's, first of all, let's take a look at the word blessed and get our heads around what it means. I'm not sure what your favorite translation uses for the word blessed, but there are a number of different attempts to try and translate it. You could suggest the word fortunate, but that has the kind of idea that maybe luck got involved and I don't think that's kind of quite right because it's nothing to do with luck. Congratulations is not bad. Uh, That conveys the idea that this is a state that's something to be envied, but it, it also isn't quite work doesn't quite work for all the other the all the other beatitudes. Um, you can't really say congratulations to those who mourn. It, it kind of sounds a little bit sarcastic, doesn't it? In fact, the Australian term "good on ya," good on ya, mate, uh, is not far off. Um, uh, but it doesn't really work in in Britain, and it is a bit slang as well. Interestingly, in Welsh, they translate this word. White is their world, and uh, that means these things are everything good and right and pure for a person. That's a pretty good translation. I think happy is very close as well, but that suggests that each of these things is a temporary psychological state that we have rather than a state that is conferred on us by God uh, through his blessing. Blessed is probably the best translation in my view. It comes from the Greek word makarios and the makar part of that word makarios is a root word that means that something is being extended and made bigger. Uh, a bit larger. It's kind of like the same root as the word we get uh, macro from. You know, if you look at things on the macro scale, you're looking at them really large. So a great way to understand the full idea behind blessed is something like this. Perhaps the privileged recipient of divine favour. Someone maybe where, where their world was smaller but it's being made and will be made larger because of the specific blessing of God. We could also see it as things that stand very close to God, things that are very close to his heart. In other words, Jesus is teaching us about qualities and mindsets and attitudes that there that bring a blessing from him to us. He brings them to us and by them he makes us a bigger person or a more blessed person as a result. And so if we are poor in spirit, if we mourn, if we are meek, uh, if we are... If, if we are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, we if we are merciful, if we're pure in heart, if we are peacemakers, if we're persecuted for the sake of righteousness, then these are things that God especially notices and they cause him to draw nearer to us and bring us his special blessing. So if we take all the Beatitudes in total, Jesus teaches us that if we have any of these things continually going on in our minds, then we're actually in a really really good place. Hey, BCC, I hope you're still with me. Uh, I'm sorry my voice is all gravelly. Um, I'm guessing that that's, uh, my my COVID is making my voice sound a bit sore, so please bear with me. Uh, I hope that's okay. So what does Beatitudes, let's, let's actually look at what that really means. Um, there's things in here which are, are very important for us to understand. You know, when Jesus says, uh, poor in spirit, is he talking about finances? Is he talking about financial blessing? You know, is Jesus teaching that the poor are blessed in their spirits because their pockets and their bank accounts are empty? Well, God definitely has a heart for the poor. And Jesus said his ministry included proclaiming good news to the poor. But I don't think this first beatitude is saying that. The phrase is poor in spirit. Let's just have a look at what that might mean. Maybe uh, you will find this helpful if we swap out uh, poor in spirit for one or two other words uh, and, and then you'll maybe see where Jesus is going with this. How about blessed are the advanced in spirit or blessed are the educated in spirit? How about blessed are the comfortable in spirit? What about blessed are those with a high view of their own brilliance in spirit? Blessed are those who have no spiritual needs at all because they've made it in spirit. Blessed are the self self-sufficient in spirit. Uh, Blessed are those who have been on self-development courses and tried hard in spirit. No, it doesn't mean any of those things. But by swapping in some of those different words, you can start to see where Jesus is trying to go with this. He's making a big claim, which is kind of a very upside down thing by the standards of the world. He is saying that the more we are aware of our spiritual lack, the more blessed we are. As you heard from my opening testimony, I got into really dangerous territory with my new age self-help personal development teachings because they led me to believe I could be self-sufficient and that led me to believe that I had no need of Jesus. You know, my world back then could be summed up in ten two two-letter words uh, and they would be this, if it is to be, it is up to me. But actually, I was really blessed instead because After these self-help teachings had come and gone, I was still left with the same sense of lack, and I still knew deep down that I was actually poor in spirit. Jesus is making such an important point. Those who don't realize their need of him are not just in an unblessed place, they are in a dangerous place. And now the opposite is also true. It's as we begin to grasp how poor we are at running our own lives, and how Uh, Not great, our spirituality is that we then begin to grasp our need of Jesus. Maybe we could summarize this first beatitude like this. Blessed are those who look to themselves and then wince really awkwardly at how much is missing spiritually. Because then if we took that view, then those are the perfect conditions for Jesus to step in and help. This beatitude is a blessing because it highlights that there is something missing in us. But it's only a blessing when we start to become aware that it's missing and we start to seek for the thing that is going to satisfy that whole. Jesus is saying that God does not turn his blessing towards the arrogant, the self assured, the proud, the conceited, all those people who place their confidence in themselves instead of realizing they are not all that. They're not blessed and they're in a very precarious place because they may not even see their needs. And after all, until we're emptied of self, what room? can there be for Jesus? Uh, The great preacher Charles Spurgeon spoke a great series on the Beatitudes and he explained this first Beatitude in these words. He said this, not what I have, but what I have not is the first point of contact between my soul and God. In In other words, he's saying what I don't have is the thing that first causes me to try and connect with God. Let me give you one or two examples from the Bible uh, just to illustrate this point even further. People who perhaps were not poor in spirit. You know, Pharaoh in Egypt, he kept on hardening his heart, didn't he, uh, towards God's people and towards God. Old Testament Saul got to a point where he didn't even know God had left him. That's a very dangerous place to be. Herod, he behaved in a way totally opposite to acknowledging any kind of need of God. In fact, the Bible says in Acts 12, that he started to try and receive praise for himself as though he were a God. And we all kind of know what happened to him. Now let me give you some examples from the Bible of people who were genuinely poor in spirit. Job lost everything, but he totally stuck by his deep conviction in God. Isaiah had a vision of God in the temple and said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And after meeting Jesus, Peter suddenly realizes how much is missing from himself. And he says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now, I just want to teach three things briefly about this first beatitude and offer a response uh, for those who are already following Jesus and perhaps for those who are considering uh, whether he is the person who is the, the one that makes up this lack. So let's just hear that first beatitude one more time. It's blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, the first thing to say is that this is the beatitude that we are all very well qualified in. Secondly, this is the one that deals with the eternal part of us. And thirdly, this is the one that is the foundation for all the other beatitudes. Let's just unpack those three points briefly before we worship one more time. So we are all very well qualified at being poor in spirit. In fact, just think about the significance of this for a minute. Jesus starts with a statement that every single person around the world is a hundred percent qualified in being spiritually broken without God. The issue is whether we acknowledge that or not. If we do, we are blessed because the kingdom of heaven is ours, declares Jesus. If we don't, we're in a very dangerous place because we have become convinced of our own self-sufficiency like me when I did all those new age courses. It's really easy to tell if you're in spiritual need, by the way, Ask yourself, am I the picture of spiritual perfection? Are all my thoughts and words and actions continually gorgeous and lovely? Well, mine certainly aren't always, and I'm sure you struggle from time to time too. Now also think for a moment about the kindness in this being the first beatitude. Imagine if Jesus had started his list with, blessed are the rich in forgiveness. Well, we wouldn't even get off the starting line, most of us. We would look at that and go, thanks Jesus, great idea but that bar is way too high. No, Jesus very kindly and wisely makes the starting point for his most important teaching to be our own spiritual lack, because that's what's true. And this is then precisely what allows us, or sorry, allows him to come and take the steering wheel from us. If only we can let him. Secondly, we need to acknowledge that we are, that being poor in spirit. And this first beatitude deals with the eternal part of us by talking about spirit. You know, there's no accident that Jesus directs his first teaching directly to our spirit, not to our bodies, not to our status, uh, the size of our Instagram following, our achievements, our clothes, uh, what we've achieved in life, he speaks it to our spirit. Because when the chips are down, it's our spirit that matters because that is what is going to last into eternity. You know, as he was pinned to the cross in his dying moments, two criminals were also being crucified either side of Jesus. And one of them was not poor in spirit. And one of them was, even in that desperate state. One criminal did not fear God, and he had no sense of any need in his spirit, even as he was dying on the cross. And yet the other was profoundly aware and asked Jesus to remember him. And it seems that that person went to join Jesus in heaven thirdly being poor in spirit is the foundation for all the other beatitudes there is a reason that Jesus puts this first uh, another reason in addition to making that bar nice and low for us this beatitude is the gateway to all the others without this beatitude first it's so much harder for the others to come to, uh, to be put in place think about this for a minute uh, People who don't acknowledge their spiritual lack find it really hard to be humble. How can you be meek if you don't realize that you have a spiritual need? Here's another example: people who do not acknowledge um, who do not acknowledge they have a spiritual lack find it really hard to build peace between themselves and others. That criminal on the cross who was not poor in spirit and still angry, he was still hurling insults, uh, murmurs before he died. So he was not a peacemaker, was he? This is also why being poor in spirit is first, because it's the foundation and the doorway to all the other Beatitudes. So I want to suggest some responses uh, to this first Beatitude. You know, all of us in truth are poor in spirit without Jesus. All of us need Jesus to lead our spirit where it needs to go in life and death. And all of us need the foundation of Jesus as, as the steering wheel of our lives, to use that analogy that I said to you earlier. Uh, And it comes from being acutely aware of our own spiritual lack. So here's a couple of ways that we can respond to this first beatitude this morning uh, in our new series. Perhaps you're someone who has never really considered your own spiritual lack or that, that Jesus might be the answer to it. Well, can I gently suggest that maybe why you are watching this message right now is because you are on some kind of search. The direct experience of me and so many others alongside me is that we too had that same spiritual curiosity that you have right now. And we have found that by allowing Jesus into the driving seat, life suddenly got a whole lot bigger and richer and, yes, more blessed. So I'm going to pray a prayer right now for you to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life. Just pray this along with me in your heart. Lord Jesus, I just want to reach out to you and ask for you to step into my life as the leader and the Lord and the captain of me. I'm so sorry for the things that I've done wrong and I just ask that you would receive my life. Lead me Lord Jesus and I want to follow you Lord Jesus for the rest of my days and I ask that you'd come and fill that spiritual hunger that's on the inside of me and I ask for that blessing uh, that Pastor Nick is talking about right now. In Jesus name I pray. You know what, if you prayed that, we'd be delighted uh, to see you put that on the feed and and say, yes, I prayed that. Or you can contact us at admin at bcc.life and we have some gifts that we would love to give you. um, That would just be our delight and pleasure to have you join us uh, in the kingdom of heaven. That would just be so great, wouldn't it, church? Secondly, if you are already a Jesus follower, I just want you to do a very simple thing today. I want you to cast your mind back to that point when you realized that you needed Jesus, that you realized your spiritual lack. Now, that might have been a real low point in your life. I know it was for me. I got a real stark awareness that I had not done well with me in charge. Or even perhaps for you, if it was a gentle realization that Jesus was asking you to follow him and you found yourself saying yes to him, then your response today is gratitude for the beatitude. And I'm just going to pray a prayer of thanks and perhaps you could join me in your heart in this prayer as well. Lord Jesus, even though it's really hard sometimes to acknowledge that spiritual lack is the thing that has drawn me close to you, do you know what? I'm so grateful that I have and I'm so grateful that you found me and I'm so grateful that I'm saved. Lord, help me to just reflect and be be thankful today for all the things that you have caused and created in my life as a result of me realizing that I needed you, cause me to celebrate that today and this week, uh, as I go about my about my ways uh, and navigate my life with you in charge and at the steering wheel. Thank you so much, Jesus. Amen.